0: So for anybody listening that does want to grow inside their career or into their position, don't wait for somebody to tell you, hey, now it's your time to get a chance to lead a team. Yeah. If you're not the bug inside the ear from day number one, they're gonna look at the person that was. So every single one on one that I had with Jeremy, it was, what exactly do I need to do to become a manager? Mm-hmm. What what exactly do I need to do to to lead a team? and it was just constant nagging constant talking about what exactly i needed to develop to be ready for the position
1: hi i'm kristen wisdorf and i'm libby gladys we're hosting the tech sales is for hustlers special campus series there are almost 5,000 colleges and universities nationwide and only about 200 have dedicated sales programs we are finding the leaders of those programs to get a behind the scenes look at how they're prepping the next generation of sales stars Join us as we talk about their own career journeys, what advice they have for students considering a future in sales, and insights into what every student needs to know for a sales career. The Tech Sales is for Hustlers special campus series.
2: Rob Gonzales in the house. Gonzo. <laughs> we were uh, doing a team outing yesterday and Rob was hooting and hollering. We were working out. Got to do it. Got to keep the people motivated. I, pre- <laughs> I, I appreciate that. You were keeping me motivated. All right, Rob, this is another good one. Yeah. Because Rob's got a great history with us doing different things. This is going to be good for STRs. People think about coming here. People are SDRs now. People think about being DMs. DMs who work here now, and maybe want to be considering some, looking at some other things, why someone with as much success as you has DM rolling into the sales world. Yep, we want to get in all those
3: things.
0: So before we do, share with us a little bit about yourself. Backstory, grew up in a small town, Lakeville, Massachusetts. Father, big into sales. Basically, whole family works for Verizon. Whole, whole family in sales? Whole family. So, fathers in sales, brothers in sales. Mother was a teacher, but grew up in such a small town. I uh, had a dad that was a massive influence on me. So, might get deep right off the bat with you guys, too. Growing up, extremely sick kid. In and out of hospitals pretty consistently. Had a few tumors, but to be honest, later on in life, recognize that that's kind of a blessing got a chance to learn so much through experiences earlier on that I think set me on a path later on in life. How old were you? So first one that I got diagnosed with was around like nine, 10 years old. Mm. Came out of the hospital from that one, hit 12 years old, got diagnosed with a second one. A couple of years worth of surgeries, follow-ups, but sets a level of dedication and kind of motivation that I think really has helped me outside my career.
2: Yeah, I, you're... We'll get into that a little bit because I mean, you. I know if I want to talk to me about personal health or working yeah. out and those things, I'll chat with you
0: about it. So I'm sure some of that was by your childhood. Absolutely. But what, what was your spirit like as a child? I always energetic. I uh, always outside playing a sport, doing something. Tried to be the the goofball of the class. Wanted to be center of attention inside the household, but always kind of looked up to my big brother too. So How many siblings in your house? I uh, just one. Okay. All right. So you and your big brother. Me and my big bro. Mm-hmm. Even after college, we've been living together for the past like three or four years now, too. So we're keeping a really tight relationship. <laughs> well, I have a brother, so I wouldn't know. Chris has got two. <laughs> so, all right.
2: So, in high school, <laughs> some people do sports. Some people have a job. Some people do like what were
0: we like in the high school, kid? And what did you think you wanted to be? Yeah. So I was motivated by athletics. I think most people that enter into sales have some level of athletic background it's at some degree. Started off with football, but because of I, how I was growing up and being a little bit sick, I was lightest guy on the team. I entered high school weighing about like 98 pounds. <laughs> Entering onto the the high school team, I I got my butt beat time and time again, but it was a good time. Two years later, my buddy convinces me to join the cross-country team. Uh-huh. And that's that's really where I found myself. So cross country, winter tracks, spring track, continued to grind. We had a really fun team. Uh also got really involved in um a program called DECA. So uh massive business program for those that don't know it. Had a chance to compete, did fairly well in it, got a did chance to go to international Like what would you compete? I mean, I
2: am familiar with DECA, but some people might not
0: be like, yeah. in freshman memory. So essentially what you're doing for for DECA is you're you're prepping out case studies, you're prepping out business use cases. Sometimes you're making a 30-page document to present out a entrepreneurship idea. Starts off with competing at a district level. If you place well enough, you get a chance to compete at a state level. Place well enough there, you're getting a chance to go to internationals, which as a high school kid, they would fly you out to Orlando for <laughs> So in the two years that I competed, I had a chance to do Personal finance, me and my team placed fourth at internationals for that. That was a really good time. I did sports marketing, got fourth internationally inside that as well. And then I had a team that did uh, entrepreneurship. We had a really fun idea together, collaborated. We ended up winning at internationals for that one. Number one. Number one. What was the business? It was called Forgotten Treasures it was a vending machine designed to be right next to a beach that holds everything you could potentially forget when go into it everything from beach towels sunscreen and then we wanted to do like a, a wi-fi hookup inside it too but when i was a kid i was thinking Ah, this is going to be a massive investment to try to get this started. I can imagine where I could get four grand to get this going. <laughs> <laughs> and now looking back on it, it's like, I, I wish I would have actually started, done something with it. Even if it completely flounders it would have been an amazing experience. Would have, yeah. yeah. Wow. Number one.
2: So, so what do you think you wanted to be? So, so, your, so your father was in sales the whole time
0: growing up? Father was in sales the whole time. He was enterprise, a manager for, for Verizon for okay. the Northeast. Um, but I wasn't really sure. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody has that defined path for what they want to be doing. That could definitely made a difference to understand that I could be successful in business overall. But when I enrolled in college, I started pre-med. Yeah, pre-med. Yeah, pre-med. Did not go well. <laughs> um, <laughs> <That's> not <right. laughs> but it didn't go well for most people. No, no. Right? Chemistry kicked me. Got, got fairly sick the freshman year. Knocked out 20 days worth of classes. And then... I was so far behind and I didn't wanna make up a whole extra semester, a whole extra year. Recognized business was gonna be for me and I would be successful in it. So I chose to run that route. Still thinking sales at all or no? Or no, not, not still
2: had come across? Like I'm kind of curious, what'd you major in? So majored in marketing. Okay, got
0: it. And what do you think you're gonna do with the major? I knew sales. Yeah, oh you did, okay, all right. I think past experience watching my dad do it, watching the way he interacts with people. It, he was always fun joking around guy and mm-hmm. recognize that that's the environment that's the people you're gonna be surrounded with so i didn't think there was any other path i was even considering going down what'd you do in the suburbs when you were in school so i did uh, training for for cross country i had a scholarship to to go to college for okay. that so on top of that i primarily picked up uh, construction gigs So I'd work construction multiple summers. I'll pick uh, extra shifts with my cousin to do uh, landscaping. Champion weed whacker in the background.
2: (laughs) So you're a runner, yeah? Was you run at college level or anything? It's a big deal.
0: It was a lot of fun. Um, had a uh, roommate who was actually getting married this weekend. Mm-hmm. Best man at this wedding, really excited mm-hmm. speech. Hopefully I don't watch it. But yeah, uh, yeah. he really taught me what it's like to be a Division two athlete, especially one with a scholarship. He would set alarms at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, do a five, six-mile run, and he just was consistent. He spent five, six hours a day in the gym. Now he's competing in Ironmans, wants to do double Ironmans. Mm-hmm. I, his mother was like fifth in the world at the double man. So I, no matter how much I did or how much I trained, like I recognize there's always somebody in another league above you. Yeah. Which was just a lot of fun to be exposed to.
2: Yeah. When you, How do you relate the being an individual sport athlete, right? There was just like somebody on a team sport. How do you relate that discipline into kind of getting into sales, you know, coming to work in Mary Blue or any place else? Yeah. Because I've always admired athletes, but I have a higher admiration for these swimmers, runners, yeah. tennis players.
0: So I think there's, there's a level of just personal persistence that you want to have. like whole life dedication has been like, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do to be successful. There's nobody that's going to be standing over your shoulder to have you wake up extra early to the gym or whatever you got to do. But you create a network and group around you. I cross country was a lot of fun out of scholarship for that. But at the same time I was competing in powerlifting. I set two world records in powerlifting. I was prepping out for a bodybuilding physique show. Nobody's asking me to do any of this stuff. It's you, you need to set the smart goals. You need to set goals with a time frame that you need to do. You need to work backwards on what exactly you need to be doing to get there. If I'm comparing it to sales, you have an angle, right? For you, it might be the end of the month. It might be the end of the quarter. You want to work backwards on what's the inputs, what's the actions that's going to help you be able to get where where you want to go. Um, mm-hmm. And if you mess up, that's on you. It, there's nobody else that's going to affect. You're the person that if you're doing a physique show, you're the person walking out on stage inside your swim trunks in front of 200 people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you start doing that? So I did my first physique show when I was 17 at the Cutler Classic yeah. in, uh, in Boston. That was a really fun one. Um, but it also taught me a ton about what not to do inside prep work.
2: Wow. Dude. Well, I didn't even know. I'm still training for my first position, Chris. <laughs> what about you?
3: That's something I will never do. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I saw you in Orange Theory though,
3: Chris. You got it.
2: <laughs> All right. So you're in college, major in marketing, wide variety of interests. What did you think? You see you're the salesman you got out, right? Mm-hmm. How, you know, God's great earth did you half a pot of every blow.
0: So that was stroke of luck. Yeah. Um, starting out inside my career, I obviously asked my dad for, for advice. He helped me out get into a, uh, a retail store at Verizon. Yeah, so I went straight from college working at this retail store in Verizon, crushed it, had a lot of fun over there, had some phenomenal mentors. I think I recognize the importance of a strong management layer above you, no matter what you're doing, whether it's retail sales, be it, any path that you're going. Having a good manager changes everything. So I had a chance to do that, found my mentors with like the top three people, and we constantly competed. And that to me reminded me of the same sports that I was doing growing up. Mm -hmm. I had Walter Burke and Amin that was tops inside the store. We had one retail rep making over 100 k per year. So to me, I was just under him. I was making like 80 k per year working at a retail store, but hitting 190% of quota, 160% my second year. But no matter what, I always saw the next person in front of me. So I, I did that for a while. Uh, anybody with exposure to massive corporate environment understands it's different when you're trying to grow inside your career, trying to progress. doesn't always matter on everything. It's just a lot of time to be able to do it. After two years averaging like 175% of quota throughout that time, I never got an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So just wait, continue to do it. I got burnt out. Like that after hustling day in and day out, doing well. I, for a moment, thought the sales wasn't going to be for me. Interesting. What was your brother's? when he was in sales, right? Yeah. So he was was, in retail as well, or was he doing different, something different? He started as a door breeder at Verizon, moved his way up to account executive. He's now chief of staff for Verizon. So he has grown from a door breeder to an amazing opportunity in his career. So he was a door breeder. That's retail, right? Yeah. And did did he? Open doors, retail
3: sales. continue retail. retail, Is he still in retail? Nope. Nope. So So how did he, so he ended up going more to enterprise. Yeah, so, so he moved your to, yep.
0: Out of so, did you think at all about trying to make that transition? Tried. They didn't want to take a chance on a retail rep. So I don't know. I, I hit my wall there and just mentally was said, I'm done. Yeah. So put in my two weeks. And from there, I started to come up with a path one week into that two-week notice. <laughs> <laughs> um, loved fitness, did all that stuff growing up, moved into personal training, found the best accredited program I could go to for it, Went to it for four months. I dropped like everything I had inside my bank account at that point to learn as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Um blessing. Blessing that I've learned everything that I did at that personal training and then found the gym that was going to be hardest for me to do well in. That was powerlifting, bodybuilding. And I was like, where am I gonna mess up the most? So I went for an all women's gym to to be a trainer at the gym over there because I recognized that was my biggest skill gap that I had to uh had to overcome. Well, what was that? What did you have to overcome? So, people come to a trainer because they they want to be the image of that trainer. That that tends to be a lot of why people choose who they want to work for. Because I was bodybuilding background, because I was powerlifting yeah. background. It doesn't typically fit in. Mm-hmm. So, I had to change my whole style. I, I think it taught me so much about leadership. And I know we're going to get later on into how I led my team over here. But yeah. a lot of how I coach is the level of empathy that I had to learn inside that. Cause it wasn't just rah, rah it was walk me through what exactly yeah. your goals. How are you trying to get there? How can I help you be able to get it? So I think that taught me so much of sales tactics. Year of doing that making $15 an hour living in Boston. You can understand very fast why I left. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 So you got into personal training, self-financed mm-hmm. that like certs, I guess, and like the research and the knowledge that you went into, uh, you were a purse trainer at an all women's gym in the yep. city? Okay. Yep. And how long did you do that? So I did that for one year. And what did you learn from that specifically? Like you give me a couple things, but like what are some of the more practical? That's mm-hmm. very fascinating.
1: If you're competitive, driven and curious, it's time to consider a professional sales opportunity that your future self will thank you for. With an unmatched training program and a tradition of elevating our people, Memory Blue has helped hundreds of successful professionals launch lucrative tech sales careers. You will grow highly marketable skills through ongoing mentorship from seasoned sales leaders while showcasing your abilities for tech industry royalty and some of the hottest startups around. And you'll do it all surrounded by driven, like-minded colleagues immersed in our award-winning company culture. As your tenure progresses, you will attract a host of career options. This includes moving up internally or venturing out into the tech industry, where tech companies pay a premium for Memory Blue experience. We have immediate openings in our offices from coast to coast. Visit MemoryBlue.com SDR and apply today.
0: So it was a lot of fun. It was a ton of learning, not only about the the body, how it moves, how to exactly coach to individuals. No two people that you're working with are going to be exactly the same. Yeah. Some of them have problems in specific areas. So you adjust out how you're personally training them, how you're working with them, how they're coaching them through movements. Again, you learn about everybody's personal lives because they use that as a chance to vent and talk. Of course. Them. So you understand how to coach differently when somebody's having a tough day versus when somebody's having a really good day. How are you going to adjust to that? Mm. How do you work backwards from somebody else's goals? Because I was really used to working backwards from my own. Mm -hmm. So that was on the practical side when I was working with people. The other side was how do you get clients? So at this gym, we were self-generating our own leads. So I got really creative with it and I had a lot of fun. I, during Halloween, I dressed up as the devil when I came in and I made a spin wheel that just says the devil's deal. Where you yeah. spin it, you could either win sunglasses or you could win a free personal training session. No. But one of the things was like, you got to do a plank for a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I constantly was hosting tables, workshops, um, talking to people inside the the gym, coaching them, guiding them through movements. When I talk to to the old SCRs on on my team, it's a little bit less nerve-wracking to talk to somebody on the phone that might hang up in a minute than interrupt somebody mid-workout. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> so I think when I was starting as an SCR, that just seemed like such an easier transition mm-hmm. in comparison to uh, nobody wants to mess with you when you're at the
3: gym. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, I can just imagine, you know, someone's headphones on, mm-hmm. mid-exercise. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Damn, that's laughs>
0: funny. So you did it for a year, and you realized, what did you realize you wanted to make that? So I actually got put on a PIP so performance improvement plan, I I wasn't doing great. Mm-hmm. I did fairly well initially, I was building up my client base. But as I mentioned, this was probably one of the hardest <clears throat> markets for me to do well in. So I wasn't learning at the rate that, that I had to, to be very successful in it. Um, management layer, they were okay at first. And this is really what solidifies why I need great management. And I was struggling, I was asking for help. And it would be, oh, we might have this person shadow you. Never got that. So in my last month that, that I had over there, that said, hey, you need to get 40 new personal training hours this month. Otherwise, you're going to be out. Mm-hmm. And getting 40 hours worth of client work, build at like $110 uh, dollars an hour, that's a lot. I hustled that month. I did well. Beat out every one of the other trainers that we had there. I got 20 new personal training hours inside that month. I had a commitment, but it wasn't going to be enough. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was either I make a pivot. Or I just try to find the, the next gym that I could transition to. Mm-hmm. And especially with COVID and everything that happened the other year, I think I made the right choice with transitioning out. Yeah. yeah. Sure.
2: When did you decide, okay, I'm not making I'm not going to
0: another gym? Yeah, I that one was kind of a struggle. Um, I think I recognized that probably the the month before I hit Pip where it was just if I am gonna have to transition out of here. I don't think I want to do it like this. Mm -hmm. Making the money that I was making didn't seem worth it for the additional time that I was putting in. Keep in mind, hours of a trainer is insane. I was up at 4.30 inside the morning so I could open up the gym at 5 Mm a.m. so I could clean up the equipment before people got it. Working night shifts on Saturday until 10 o'clock and then having to wake up Sunday morning right away. I lost my entire social life at the same time. Mm. And maybe I'll pick up like additional additional shifts as a trainer somewhere over like weekends. I had some personal clients that I kept later on inside my career, but I don't know. It, it's still interesting to me. Still love the concept. Yeah. It was a long term. Yeah. So how did you find us? Shock and applied on Indeed to a bunch of different jobs that I saw that was available. Uh, <laughs> well, before we, so did you, yeah. was there any thought
3: when you made the decision to leave the personal training world? Is there any thought of going back to Verizon or retail
0: or try to get into B2B? Did that thought ever enter your mind? So uh, B2B, absolutely. Yeah. I now. That, okay. That one's a trap. Uh, it's it's a great career for a lot of people that get into it. I'll just, am phrasing there, but it's something where it's really hard to break out of once you venture into it. I see. Kind
3: of get typecast.
0: Yeah. I got so many friends that stuck with that channel. That's that's what they're continuously yeah. doing, And it's so hard for somebody to trust a... I, I mean, imagine you have a person applying for a B2B sales role for your team that's only had experience on your cell phones inside a retail channel. Yep. You don't trust it because they don't know lead generation. Right. They don't understand everything. I recognize there's a skill gap I was missing. Just wasn't sure what it was. I see. So you out on to Indeed and just carpet bomb. Yeah. I applied to probably 10 places inside that week. Mm-hmm. And Memory Blue was one of the names that, uh, that popped up. Um, I mean, Blessed timing, right? Because if it would have been a, a month prior, not even sure the positions would have been opened up. Right, right. It was just as Boston was opening. Yep. So it worked out really well.
2: Everything was on Zoom.
0: Yeah, it was. Right. <laughs> you uh, Who's your recruiter? Abby. <laughs> Curtis. Boom. I <She>, okay. <laughs> uh, Amazing. Loved her. Yeah. Loved a chance to work Powerful with her throughout person. everything. Yeah, absolutely. I want to stay in touch with her for the rest of my life. She was amazing. So how?
2: how what do you remember about the process then? So it was all Zoom. There's no office.
0: Yep. What, what, uh, you know, what was, what were you told? <laughs> it was a level of trust. It was like, trust me, we're, we're a real thing. I, yeah. I was interviewing all my interviews with Jeremy Wood, uh, that, that I know is doing another, another podcast here too. He's incredible. Like not, not only as like a, a leader, but inside the interview process, I, I never questioned things. I, I was a little bit nervous because I'm like, I've never seen an office. I don't even know if we have an office. Right. I don't really know what's going on. Um, but it was the impression that the Abby and Jeremy both made. I was getting offers that was much higher offer. Mm-hmm. But again, leadership makes the difference. So I saw exactly how Jeremy was like, saw the way that he was talking to me, and I had trust. And then the role play pulled me apart. I had a couple of years of sales experience. And I thought I will not it. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought that was going to be really good. Yeah. yeah, but then when I do one role play, and then I find out that hey, you done X, Y, Z. Here's your areas of opportunity. Here's what I like what you did. I'm like, I I see where I'm going to go from here. Mm-hmm. Did you see the BFB path too, or is that did that come until later? Because sometimes people get in the role they they really
2: know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, I think that's where I was blessed to have the family that was yeah. either account executives in it that I knew that like okay, I do this job. Nobody's going to enjoy cold calling for the time that you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. But I do it. I grind out. Same thing that I've done inside my fitness career, cross-country career, work backwards. I know I'm going to get to where I want to go if I go through this to be able to get there.
2: What were those early days like? Well, tell us about the
3: commute. Like, So so you're back. So you accepted the gig. Accepted the gig. Now, so I just want to make sure. So the whole interview process was all over Zoom. So you never met anyone? It, okay, this is pre-COVID when that was – much different.
0: It was weird. It was And you never seen an office? <laughs> never saw the office. I don't even think the office was ready to be opened at that point. Okay. Even after, I mean, even after starting. My my first day inside the position, Jeremy gave me a call. I said the office isn't going to be ready for your first day. Mm-hmm. You willing to fly out to Virginia to start with us inside the office over there. I was like, Do I have to pay for my own ticket? yeah like, I don't have <laughs> yeah. that was my first question. He's like, No, we we'll, we'll set you up. And I hopped on a plane on the Sunday before my first day and then uh, met all the uh, me, Tiffany Tongs, and you uh, got a chance to open up that office.
3: <laughs> what an unbelievable experience. Yeah, okay. I remember now, we flew you down to the Virginia office for a week mm-hmm. so that the Boston office could get finalized. And then that next Monday, you guys opened it up.
0: Yeah. And you guys don't realize how much of a blessing that truly was as a brand new person to to be able to step in there. We wouldn't have been able to learn from anybody that's had more experience than us, right? It would have been a lot more challenging to try to reach out to mentors if you never met them before. But like, Eli Kaplan, amazing. amazing. Yeah. Uh, Brenda Gandon, yeah. that's how you pronounce the last name. Yeah. Caroline Sullivan, yeah. <laughs> James Manning. So yeah. uh, they were all people and also Joe Trapasso. But- Phones. Yeah. All of Jeremy's old team. I constantly would be reaching out to for advice, continuing on, especially where Brenda and Caroline were both on the same client that I was on. Uh, had I not had a chance to go over there, I would not have seen the success that I would have had. Finding a good mentors, finding a good team around you really helps you solidify who you're going to be as a salesperson. Wow. What client were you on? So I was on two. I was on TalkPoint, which was amazing experience. Um, And then I was on a company called Empow, which was a brand new SIM that was entering into the market, Um, weren't big enough to get on Gartner's Magic Quadrant. They had a great product. Uh, We're building everything from the ground up. They had no SDR program. We had to come up with email scripting, phone messaging. We had to communicate that with the client to what exactly was happening. Um, when I got it promoted, I had a chance to run with the Impow campaign under me for a couple of years worth of time. That was a lot of fun. They eventually got acquired by—I uh, think the company Cyber Reason that they got acquired by. Yeah. But even the account executive on that campaign, I'll, I'll ping him with a message every once in a while. That's
3: great. That's great. Yeah. So we'll, we'll cover a lot of that in, in a few minutes. But uh, Mark brought this up, and, and I, I definitely want the listeners to about your community mm-hmm. because yep. in order to do that. <laughs> You know how bad do you want it, and it, it, you showed every day how bad you wanted it by by just getting to work. Yep. So talk a little bit about about the commute. Yeah. Well, Put my pen down for this. <laughs>
0: this is. Um, so for anybody that's a new SDR that's used to see the remote culture, that was not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was no option to be working from home. You had to come into the office every single day. I entered into this company without a car, and I lived like 20, 20 minutes away by car. Realistically. Yeah. And I did not think it was going to be that bad by public transit. I was used to doing that for every other job that I did before because I was always in the city. We're slightly outside of the city. So for me to, to start off on this commute, I had to take about a three mile walk to get to the bus stop, to wait for the bus, to hop inside that bus, to go for about a 45 minute to an hour commute, to hop off the bus, go for another two mile walk to be able to get into the office. Now, I'm from Boston had to do this when it was getting closer to winter time. that was miserable. <laughs> that Every day. This was every single day. So every day I did that exact same commute. Bus doesn't always come on time, so you got to be 20 minutes early just to make sure you can get there and get on time. I think I was only late twice. Um, <laughs> but I was late twice because I hopped on the wrong bus and it dropped me off in a completely different spot. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. There, there's something special about here, especially at that time. Because I was one of three SDRs. I had a, a manager that was actually the managing director. So there's a lot to be learning from them. Um, so I recognize how much I could learn, but also I'm getting a chance that nobody else has. There, there's not that many people that can help build an office culture. Not that many people that have a chance to watch an office grow from the three people we started with up until, I'm guessing we're closer to around 60 right now inside yeah. Boston. Yep. Making that impact, having a chance to do it has... I mean, that's going to be a use case for the rest of my career for what I end up doing.
3: Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So it was all told, uh, uh, how, how far, how long the time would it be from when you left your house to you walked into the work? About two hours. Two hours can be H-Y. one way. Yeah. What, what would you do on, on the bus? I mean, could you take advantage of
0: some of that time? Yeah. So listen to some audiobooks, had a chance to read. I went down the YouTube rabbit hole one too many times mm-hmm. when I was sitting on the bus, but, um, it was my chance to learn. It was my chance to even listen back to some of my calls mm-hmm. that I had the, uh, the day before I would email it over to myself, listen to it on my phone, um, do myself some coaching and feedback, chance just to use that time for whatever I could. Best book that stood out So that time for anybody listening, The Alchemist fully recommended, helps you with your own yeah. like, personal journey, where you want to be going. A lot of takeaways from that one. It's great. It's great. So the, you weren't in the SDR role all that long? No, no. I cruised out of that. Five months. So after two months, me and Emmy had a chance to be a team lead. Two months in. Wow. We were team lead of a team of seven.
2: Well, hello. on. Hold on. Sorry. I, this is a job with the gates. Yeah. you got to learn to do the SDR job, right? You're on a pal, you're on TalkPoint. TalkPoint was a long standing, very successful client, but it was that's a hustle, right? Because it's not, it's not some super unique nobody's heard of tech before. Well, they this, something's different. Yep. Like, how, how did you transition from retail, personal
0: training to outbound STL worlds? So it's not different, just the modalities okay. are different, right? Yes. Verizon, there's a phrasing for their training called earn the right. You need to earn the right to be able to pitch any product to people that you're going after. Mm-hmm. I mean, the expectation whenever we were selling a phone was that 80% of them had to have insurance on it. We had to sell over $70 worth of accessory sales with each device. We had our goals for new lines that had to be added. I was used to balancing out like five or six different KPIs for what I had to do. You mm-hmm. only had to worry about one. <laughs> so discovery was key on there. When I was a personal trainer, understanding the why, understanding the values or how somebody wanted to get to where they were going what's the stop caps going to be for there. Mm-hmm. So it's just learning how to take the the consultative sale that used to be maybe 40 minutes of working with somebody as a trainer or a Verizon sort to how do I compile this into a two to a three minute cold call. So I mean, massive skill gap at first but again, I had some phenomenal mentors around me. like I could ping Caroline any day, I could ping Brenda any day, I was collaborating with Emmy and Tiffany all the time. Mm-hmm. But Probably the, the best manager in the company at the time, Of disrespect to anybody. Yeah. I, full love to Smoke Comer, who was probably my mentor for most of my time as a DM. Yeah. Um, but Jeremy was exceptional. So yeah. I had a chance to take everything that I learned, learn how to compile that to a quicker window. What did you get good at as an SDR? What was your the, your signature? flux down. Tactical empathy, I think, is something that... Tell us about that. Yeah, something that I leverage a lot more inside my career now as an account executive is understanding the why behind the other perspective. So if I was putting myself inside the shoes of this uh, VP of investor relations that I'm reaching out to, what's going to personally be most important to me? What could potentially be my concerns with a upcoming event? Now, yeah. TalkPoint was a event management tool with video and webcasting. So number one, it's on my head. What if something goes wrong? Mm-hmm. So the question I would ask inside some of my calls would be, well, what's the process if something does go wrong inside your current situation that you're using? Get somebody to think about a slightly different perspective. Again, you want to put yourself in the shoes of the person that you're selling to. When you're able to do that, you're going to have a much better understanding to why you're asking the questions that you are. So I think the tactical empathy really helped out. And then customized clothes based on their situation. Since you mentioned you're potentially having problems inside these specific areas, this is exactly why I'm reaching out to be able to help you out with your issues.
2: Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah, we have not breaking empathy, breaking he, it down. He didn't even blink. No,
2: you did not have to think about that.
3: <laughs> he He's waiting all morning for you to ask. me. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> what were Tiffany and Emmy good at that you learned from them?
0: Emmy is just so caring. I, but I think that, Caused a lot of struggles for her at first. Mm-hmm. Me and Emmy were on the same class, so it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was out of time on it, she yeah, was full time. In any week that I had, maybe one more book than her. She knew us half time, so that would always <laughs> else, right. <laughs> um, but, but she was highly empathetic, and she was learning everything from ground up. So she had hustle, and she had an ability to work far later than I ever personally could. I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise to see her inside the room until, like, 8 p.m. at night. And then she also had a crazy, she was probably at one and a half, two hours as well. But she had just drive to want to do it. She never truly knew what she wanted to do inside her her career at that point. Mm -hmm. And, like, she was developing that as she was having the exposure, which I thought was brilliant. I had my experience before, but watching somebody else have to learn everything from the ground up was an amazing experience. Tiffany was interesting. Like I, I loved working with her. It was great experience. I think the, the biggest thing that stands out to me about her is one time, I think it was her second or third booked meeting. She was talking to somebody on the phone, on the fly, her heard transition over to speaking Mandarin oh, and wow. that was wild to, to see And We're just listening and all of us just dropped her headsets and was just watching Tiffany call it and she got the booked meeting out of it too. So she was just very able to adapt on the fly to any situation. So wood had his project red team project blue team yep
2: endeavor I remember hearing about this when he was trying to scale yeah' talking to Kristen what was your role in that
0: yeah so it was me and Emmy co-team leads uh, again this is two months into us being inside the position mm-hmm. and then uh Tiffany and uh faith Emery love faith such a sweetheart um but it was our team versus their team on any given any given month any any given thing that we're doing. We had a stellar team. We we gotta really build up some some strong people that were that were with us and I got a chance to learn from. Uh, Katie Lowry, potential candidate for King alumni of the year. Yeah, right. unbelievable. It was actually kind of brilliant how she did her messaging to people. It was highly customized, highly targeted. Ryan Carey, just right. uh, <laughs> uh absolute go. But he was a workhorse. Like I I I yeah. never have met somebody more more motivated when they're seeing success yeah right like he's three months into the this position and it wouldn't be a surprise to see him at 10 o'clock into the morning he's 85 he he's got three books on the day sometimes you can see somebody throwing the towel or, yeah. or SCRs be like hey i'm good you'd be like no nah, that was just my am blitz to go back call <laughs> yeah. again. yeah and then every month his list had to reset to a brand new target so he had to get rid of all of his past leads reset list building so yeah. they, there was nothing that was stopping him then uh like Ryan Graziano, too. We had a great team, and we got to learn a lot from each other. So we crashed. From what I remember, we just dominated said the first months. It led to Jeremy taking us out for a $500 steak dinner as a reward for it. So I, anytime I get a chance to win a dinner, I'm in. So this was happening. The office was growing fairly quickly, right? Yeah, it was wild. I mean, there was a reason why I moved up so fast into the position. Mm-hmm. Like, I was... I wasn't ready after four months of being an SDR to become a delivery manager. I was right. still learning on the cold call, right? Yeah. Um, I hadn't even gone through my personal dip yet of yeah. not seeing success. I had maybe experience with the two clients. I had one PPM that I booked for, but we moved from like three SDRs to close to 20 inside a four or five month window.
2: It was a big memory, Rob. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Gave this story a few times during interviews. It's yeah. yes. asked
2: Yeah, still. <laughs> yeah, still. Keep keep going. So yeah, the company's yeah. office is growing. Office, office is looking for some leadership help. Why did he came to you? Why were you interested?
0: Oh, I bugged the crap out of them. Really? Um. So for anybody listening that does want to grow inside their career or into their position, don't wait for somebody to tell you. Hey, now it's your time to get a chance to lead a team. Yeah. If you're not the bug inside the ear from day number one, they're going to look at the person that was. So every single one-on-one that I had with Jeremy, it was what exactly do I need to do to become a manager? Mm-hmm. What, what exactly do I need to do to, to lead a team? And it was just constant nagging, constant talking about what exactly I needed to develop to be ready for the position. When I had a chance to be a team lead, I got a chance to learn a lot inside one-on-ones with people. What I started to notice is like my own, my own phone calls my own wins were exciting. But it was a lot more fun to watch somebody else get their first book. It, there was something where seeing the whole team get around them slamming the gong for the first time. That is something special. And why is that so special to you? I don't know. I I'm guessing it stems from like the, the personal training and the stuff I used to do there. Prior to even college, I had my whole group of people that I used to work out with all the time. Yeah. That I was the trainer for all of them. So uh-huh. watching my buddy get 225 on bench for the first time and just seeing the excitement out of that um it just reminded me of the exact same things i was getting out of the career path that i thought i was going to love but in a in a way that didn't take away from my hobby that i also loved so it was just very similar to my fast job you were dm for over two years yeah so wow what did you learn in that role oh, <laughs> i don't think there's a way to summarize it. this position uh, especially here because you're not a you're not just a manager of SDRs. That, that job on its own, is hard enough, yeah, right? Yeah. But additionally, you're an account manager. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think delivery talks about that enough as being the genuine skill set that you're developing inside your time here. Yes, you're learning how to coach. Yes, you're learning how to interview. I think over the past couple of years, I've probably done over 500 interviews with people, mm-hmm. hired on over 50 had to let go a few people. Yeah, yep. to let people go. Yeah, on the account management side, you're learning how to deal with clients. You're learning how to deal with clients with extremely high expectations. Mm-hmm. We're the best in the business. We we all know that we've done such a good job because of that, our clients have massive expectations. For anybody that's a DM that, that's listening over here, I understand. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Correct.
0: Um, you're, you're going through hell day in and day out working with these clients that you might have a SDR that's, I mean, I'll use Brian Carey, again, as an example, dude was booking 40 meetings per month in occurring. We had uh, Tyson Maddox, who delivery manager Mm -hmm. here now, also on that same campaign, getting 20 meetings per month. We had Ellie Miller, who (coughs) was also on my team, getting 25 meetings per month. Mm -hmm. They were like, hey, you guys aren't getting us 10 times the amount of investment on every single given month on closed deals. We need to cut your program. Mm -hmm. This is after two years worth of time in a partnership together. Yeah, Cut just like that because not getting over $250,000 inside closed deals every month from outbound. So you're dealing with the expectations. You're tempering expectations. You're talking with the clients about that. That's probably what translates most into the account executive position I'm in now. Mm -hmm. Um, For the listeners, I just want to say that
3: that was an all-star team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and some and sometimes you can have the best team on the floor and producing results. And it's just not good enough. That says more about, I would say, the client or the company than the team, because that team is a bunch of winners.
0: Yeah. We uh, I pulled up the numbers before moving into this other team, so I'd have everything in front of me in the future, but my team averaged ninety seven percent of quota attainment for two years straight. I mean, we had some absolutely rock star SCRs that I had a chance to learn from. Uh Jonathan Duffy, Carly premier Justine, Tor I don't know that one his last name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's all right. Curtis Giles, like seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're gonna
2: put together a team on your own
0: while you're creating your software better than something like that? Yeah. Yeah. We had rockstar SDRs, but it was due to, I got really good at formulating team composition. Uh, that's something that's really over, might be overlooked. I think it depends yeah. which DM that you're talking to, but there's a level of knowing who you're hiring, why you're hiring them, how they're going to be interacting with a team overall, knowing what sacrifices you're willing to make for a team. Like an example would be, I knew my intangibles that I was looking for inside any SDR. I needed two things for anybody that I was going to hire rest of it i can i can figure it out me mm-hmm. i need somebody that was going to work their butt off mm-hmm. do they have a past trajectory and history of being able to absolutely grind it didn't matter what they did before sure really loved like waiters waitresses but like even like francesca simon was a, a nanny mm-hmm. before she started over here but she consistently had great work ethic mm-hmm. second piece was coachable me and jeremy had a lot of conversations about the amount of times that I just had somebody redo the role play inside the final interview because I just wanted to see exactly what they would implement from the coaching. Yep. If I had those two traits, I could teach anybody else out and I could have an extremely successful team. Mm-hmm. Then you learn, well, who am I going to have sitting next to who to drive them for better results? Mm-hmm. That's a really fun thing. Yeah. It's like, well, Carly probably had one of the, the greatest mindsets in terms of motivation for moving forward. Ryan Carey had the exact same thing it'll be fun let's have them sit right next to each other mm-hmm. <laughs> i drove a ton of great team composition with each other example would be on a uh, big class which is a long-running client of mine a more recent example for like current scrs that might be listening to this is like i colin jones noah Cantor, and matt lamar they i put them all on this client for a specific reason noah had exceptional work ethic colin had past experience in like sales and I understood that he was going to be very good in terms of tactical. No, I knew was going to have the work ethic. Matt was learning and he was very green, Mm -hmm. but put him alongside two people that's going to be work ethic, somebody that's going to be more technical. You're going to drive the best out of each one. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I thought team composition was a massive part about what makes a team successful inside the time. He's
2: like a
0: professor.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because you kind of have your terms, tactical empathy. Team composition. team composition. So you did straight too far from maybe organic chemistry scared you off. But you're like <laughs> a little medical diagnostic professional in terms of
0: putting together these teams. Well, you learn from experience and you keep yourself open to what other people do. I I would never truly tell an SCR what to do. Mm-hmm. I would always say, if I was in your situation, here's exactly how I would go about it. Because I don't know everything. I, right. I've had experience managing 20 different client campaigns, 50 different SDRs, but I would learn something new from somebody on their first week. Right. They tried out something inside a mildly different way than what I had before. Mm-hmm. I don't want to limit somebody's creative freedom to be able to do that. So I had a chance to learn through every single person that was on my team, and that was an absolute blessing to get a chance to do that because you're not an expert yet if you can DM for six months. I would mean, have had your experience before, but learn from everybody that's on your team and it's going to create a better manager out of you in one year's worth of time. So you're
2: doing this role, helping build an office (laughs) upset the other offices, but like an office I was very proud of. Oh, best office in the company. I I wouldn't say the best office. You know, my family, my parents always catch it with that, but possibly potentially my favorite office in the company. But when you were looking for, um, for what you wanted to do, kind of where you wanted to go with things, what was on your mind too? So, short stint as an SDR. So, I mean, for you, I think it's great you had this experience before. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And I always talk about how, with people who are cre- career switchers or traditioners, like the experience you had before is going to help you even more when you get out of the SDR. But you prove you can do the SDR, well, that other perspective is going to kind of help you with things. But you spent time, quality time yep. in a DM. Yeah, learned from wood, right? What What do you think you want to do after that? Why? Because, yeah, because we've got 50 DMs at the company now, who we, we want them to continue to grow in delivery. And you learned so much in that job over two years, and maybe potential open an office, maybe not maybe take over an office, maybe an MD in an office, or yeah. join the sales team. And right, I want to talk about your transition need a DM and why you decided to kind of go to the sales
0: and so on and so forth. So this is a question I tend to get a lot whenever I'm doing one-on-ones with people mm-hmm. and for anybody listening that wants to have one of those, we're talking about career path, trajectory, I'm always open to help now, always willing to have a conversation, just this, ping me, send me an email, send me a LinkedIn message, all that's open. But I think for, for the first probably year and a half, I was a delivery manager, the only path ahead of me or the only thing that I saw was it's, it's managing director or. Or I need to leave memory blue. I need to figure out what I need to be doing from here. Um, I hear that a lot, even when I'm talking to current delivery managers, That's figuring out like what they want to be doing next. I got rocked by one client and that one got me extremely frustrated. Like drop. So hey. it was a situation where things weren't going well with the client at all. I would take like one day of PTO. Um, I didn't respond to, to an email. I got a six-page note the day back that got sent over to our head of delivery. Mm-hmm. It it was something that that wasn't fruitful. The conversations that he was having with the SCR wasn't going to be helpful for him. He was trying to take on fully coaching the SCR. I was losing control of that specific one on my team. Um, the CR Garrett Mack, amazing guy. Yeah. ton of ton of work ethic. led um, even to the point where we had to sit down and you were like, Rob, what the what the heck are you doing? Like mm-hmm. I've never seen something like this from you. And I, I wanted to be back in control a little bit because mm-hmm. that, that hit me. And then I recognized that if I'm going to be a managing director, this is the situation I'm going to deal with more often than not, it's going to be the challenging ones. It's going to be less about the the individual coaching. It's going to be less about everything, which recognizing now that's only part way true, right? You're dealing with a lot of that, but there's a lot of individual coaching and helping. So for me, that was really the the final straw to me wanting to transition out of it. I think I walked into Jeremy's office fairly soon after that saying, I'm done, I'm ready to be the leaf- blue. How can I get started up with the Rotten Stars program? He said, take a couple of days, think about what you want to be doing. Let's revisit this conversation. I'm going to bring Kristen in. Kristen's amazing. It's uh, truly, had truly nothing but love for how much she taught me throughout my time here. Um, but she walked me through the What exactly are you looking for what are your goals how do you want to get there where where do you want to see yourself going which i wish i used a lot more of the tactics on some of my past sers i had but i started to really think about my career path and where i wanted to be going similar to fitness similar to cross country what's my angle how am i going to work backwards to get where i want to go well the more i thought about it the more i'm like vp of sales a uh, chief revenue officer, find find a way to to lead an entire organization. I want to learn how to do that. Then the more I'm thinking about it is if I'm gonna be trying to get into a, a VP sales position, how the heck can I do that if I've never personally closed a deal? Mm-hmm. I might have been one of the one of the top managers at the time. I was great at account management, I was great at the SCR work. There was a massive skill gap. So it sparked up conversations about joining the AE team. And about potentially wanting to try to lead an a team for us over here mm-hmm. so i i reached out I had conversations i had these conversations for for months before my actual transition onto the team and i'm so glad that i did mm-hmm. um because i s- felt like i stopped learning i'm like a year and a half into the position transitioning into the AE team here they care about coaching and feedback in the same way we do for the sdrs mm-hmm. which are recognizing other companies that don't get anything like that mm-hmm. it was a Massive pay cut to transition from one team to the other initially. Because right. I was top and summit class on one. I'm entering into the beginner. I got to learn again. But to me, that never mattered. It's all about what am I learning? How's it going to set me up for the future and future growth? Mm-hmm. Had a chance to hop into the scene and just get rocked. <laughs> getting <laughs> rocked on the phones, getting rocked on deal cycles, trying to figure out how do you take something from intro phone call to DocuSign close. It was like entirely different perspective shift. So for me, it was more working backwards on where I want to go and then taking this as an opportunity to truly learn, hone the craft, talk with people that know me, that know my experience, It can help teach me to to get to that next level. And for anybody that does do the transition from DM to account executive, and your goal is to grow outside of the company, the experience is invaluable because you already know the product so well that that translates instantly into how you're selling. You already understand account management, you understand the problems. So it's going to be better for you to be able to learn how to sell this product that you've had exposure to at first, get the coaching get the guidance, be able to grow alongside from there. So it's not just a linear path of DM to managing director. You can make your own path you can communicate
2: it. How have you, how's the team supported you with that? Was it the same kind of process when you're just you and Tiffany and Emmy and Wood learned to sell? Did you go about the same way? it's learned
0: differently that it's is so much better mm-hmm. i think we our a team a team here is amazing mm-hmm. i mean like Nate callum closing close to a million dollar deal from outbound cold calls uh yeah <laughs> alex rodriguez who's absolutely crushing said craft. Connor conor keely doing well for so long inside his time here like but and billy jacobs used to be on my team tara like Everybody, I'm having a chance to, and Ben Faulkner, I know if you would rip me apart for not bringing him up on here. Of course, Booster um, Faulkner. But I could say the pride of West Virginia. Pride of West Virginia uh, <laughs> in the swim truck. <laughs> but I could reach out to any one of them at any given time and say, hey, I want some help. Let's listen to an intro call together. We're going to dissect the call together. We're constantly bouncing ideas and feedback off of each other. Everybody has a different way to be positioning the product. Need- Every time I'm listening to an intro call, I have 30 to 45 minutes worth of content to be gathering from what somebody else does different versus two minutes worth inside a cold call. And not only that, these are the elite elite. There is 350, 400 SCRs we're recruiting from for this very specific team of like 10 people. Yeah. Um, We got the genuine best of the best from SCRs into this position Mm -hmm. that's honing their own craft and learning it. So we're constantly bouncing ideas off of each other. Sales leadership team here is insane. Brandon Eyring, uh amazing, amazing first manager that I had on the sales team. He actually used to be one of my clients. So crazy. Katie Lowry was working on his client at Zero North when I first started as a delivery manager. I would go to him as the point of contact. Fast forward a couple of years later, he's now my boss. Yeah, I, There you go. Yeah, I
2: want to go back to this because, I mean, you're selling something that you, you manage these campaigns for over two years. <laughs> so that's that how
0: do you view corporate event and the kind of how you build credibility with prospects? Honesty, transparency. I mean, there's a level of bringing up case studies, right? Just the, hey, we're we're selling into the event space. Can you walk me through any examples or cybersecurity space? Can you give up any examples? Like, well, I was a delivery manager that only focused on cybersecurity in my first year because I felt really passionate about it. So we align up who wants to clean work to what they're going to be in the fashion for what they want to be selling. You're building it up because you've had the experience. They talk through how they have an SDR making 40 dials a day. And they're like, I don't really know what to be doing with them. Well, here's how I personally coached. Here's how I personally dealt with these types of people that was working on my team. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, you understand the problems because you've been there. You've done that. You got a brand new, say a 25 person company. You're talking to a CEO that's saying that I'll just hire somebody onto my team. I'll get an SDR for a fraction of what Brady says outsourcing. Then it's, well, what's your recruiting process like? How are you going to filter out who's going to be a good or a bad SDR? Mm -hmm. In my experience, I did probably five to seven interviews per week consistently on every single week. I'd maybe hire on a new person every two weeks. Mm -hmm. How much time do you have to separate for hiring on an SDR? How are you going to bet them out? How are you going to coach them? How are you going to train them? Here's the exact amount of time turns into a more consultative conversation about, well, what's the logistics of you doing things like this mm-hmm. because you've seen it, you've been through it. You right. understand the the actual challenges to be able to get there. Yeah. And that's,
2: I, I would imagine that resonates with the right, should, should resonate with most prospects. It's not going to evolve, but I would imagine that gives you an instantaneous level of credibility that
0: other folks who you're competing against don't have. It will eventually resonate with every prospect. Yeah. Because I, I've lost a ton of deals so far. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm still learning everything. Easy. right? don't of, don't yeah. give <laughs> me, me the cold sweats. Yeah. Right. Um, but I'm learning a ton inside the process. Everybody that I've lost a deal to, I understand why I've lost it. I asked for, for notes and feedback mm-hmm. after I've lost something and being like, well, where, where exactly did we lose you? what you end up going with? Why'd you end up going with that? Using that as personally a chance to be able to learn for myself. Secondly, that's a follow up. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I just did a follow up cadence on a bunch of opportunities I've lost inside the past, and now I have timelines for four or five of them towards when they're going to be reconsidering the situation because they went with either another vendor internally that's not working out. Yeah, yeah, it happens quite often. What's your favorite part about the new role? New role, you're in control mm-hmm. of everything. One of the, I think the biggest prideful moments that I've had inside this new role is one um, week I closed a. A $500,000 deal, which was exciting. And it was really cool. The following week, I closed an $11,000 deal. The $11,000 deal stood out a lot more to me. This was the first deal I've ever gotten that started with an outbound cold call. Wow. I've been spending two years preaching the importance of outbound cold calls, preaching the importance of the outbound, what it actually means for yourself and for an organization. You can only believe it so much until you've done it for yourself and had the exposure of watching that sign to say, sign. <laughs> um, and it originated from an outbound. Yeah. Call. So since then, I've probably been an A for about six months over here. I've closed over three hundred fifty thousand inside outbound calls so far. So it it makes a difference. And I don't know. I think it was just the culmination of everything that I taught works. And now when I'm walking up to SDRs, they they used to be on my team. I'm constantly still trying to help out where I can with the SDR. rule. it's not just hey, you should do this because it will get you a more meeting. It's, Hey, when you transition to the AE role, here's exactly how it's going to translate and make a difference for you. Mm-hmm. What's
2: the biggest skill you've developed in the past six months in this world?
0: Organization. Mm-hmm. Cause when I was a manager, you have to be organized with the calendar. You have to understand how to space out your time. I had 17 SDRs under me at one point, I was managing an external company BDR program yeah. along with my full team here yeah. and all the clients and SDRs that you have to be organized to the individual situation. Here, you might have 25, 30 different deals that you're having touch points at different times. with. So understanding when to follow up, what's an appropriate follow up, what's the importance of taking a good notes inside the initial call. Mm -hmm. So, you know, two months later, when they said to follow up, you know what to be doing, because you're going to forget after the next week, when you've had five or six more calls. So Continuously taking good notes, blocking off of my calendar when I'm going to be doing follow-ups with people versus just keeping the the notes somewhere else mm-hmm. so I can just stay on top of my workload and what I'm doing. Nice. So the plan is learn,
2: continue to build this skill, going outbound, mm-hmm. selling, run your own sales cycles, outbound deals, inbound deals, and then take the managerial experiences, DM, and transition to a manager on the sales side. It's yeah. Fun.
0: Yeah, And what, how do you see those two jobs being different? One of them is going to be having a little bit more control because the sales cycle, especially when you're teaching somebody up front, I, I had Brandon helping me out a lot on my calls when I was starting out. I got Bobby Han, who's helping me out a lot on my calls right now. Um, you, you need to know exactly where everything is, when they're going to be inside pipeline. I think the biggest differentiator is going to be managing pipeline. Especially to that extent of having a full team under you, for the delivery manager role, it's just focusing on coaching, developing the SCRs, tempering expectations for the client. I think the tempering expectations and all that is going to transfer into the disco calls, and I think the learning how to coach the SCR gives a slightly different perspective in how you're going to be coaching the AE. So, I think it's still to be learned. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after a little bit more exposure to to this role. Yeah. But I think I'll make a ton of mistakes and <laughs> learn yeah, from you, each one. You will you, you will. will. And what I what I know about Chris Rob and
2: the uh, is, Rob is you, you're booking a lot of games for yourself. Yeah. yeah, whether you work here or whether you work at a technology company, if people are still, you're always going to be going outbound.
0: Yeah, the no matter what, your number one goal is to get new names into your games. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. If you're an SCR that's struggling, first thing to check out is how many new names have you uploaded last month. Mm-hmm. Um, that I tended to notice being like the. The biggest differentiator to those that's doing very well those that weren't. So consistently, every single morning, 8.30 a.m., list building 25 new names per day. Continuing into the role as an account executive, that's a massive reason to why I'm still generating success on the op chain. I'm getting, I think on average, I've been around like 14 or 15 meetings occurred every single month since I've transitioned onto this team, along with balancing the U.N. Pipeline. Not all of them are winners, but you're getting more at bats, more opportunities from learn to each call. Yep. And at the same time, you got more people you can follow up with. So outbound's going to be key for everything that I do. This yeah. Skill set most other companies don't have. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Particularly when you sell it. Yeah. This was the support of our offering. So you've been booking 14 outbound
3: for yourself. Give her a table. It's a healthy body at work. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> for sure. So what, in your opinion, is more challenging? Closing, finding,
0: or leading? I think leading is easiest. The DM role is easiest. So more leading people. The account management side was not different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but that changes based on your personality trait mm-hmm. for, for really who you are. So I think on the leading side, that really meshes with who I am as a person, how I try to mesh up with people, that tactical empathy. You're using the same thing when you work with a team. Mm-hmm. It was always something I was very good at. Booking meetings—it's effort. I, I mean, if you're you're struggling, let's say you're at hundred dollars a day, you got one conversation, you've got no booked meetings. How do you fix that? Mm-hmm. You dial more, right? You're you're eventually going to get somebody. You can test out different tactics. You're going to be able to get more, no matter what. That's fully inside your control. Closing's a bit more challenging, inside the sense that it's less inside your control, right? When it's going to be up to another person to finally do that. The decide, side. You've been inside control of the sales process or helping somebody out all the way through it, but at the end of the day, they need to be the one to sign that paper. You can't make that up by doing an extra 10 dials inside a day. Mm-hmm. So, I think for me, closing's been definitely the, the most challenging out of the bunch. That being said, DM was a mildly more challenging role just because there was a lot of moving parts to consider while you were doing it. We're leading in account management simultaneously, Yep. Your calendar is every half an hour needs to have a purpose, and if it doesn't. You want to make sure that it does, that you're doing something better for your team, right? Because if you're not using that, if you're just using that time for yourself, you're taking away from the person that trusted you with their career when they're first getting started. out mm-hmm. you have a responsibility to everybody that you hire to coach them inside the way that you want to be coached, exactly. Well, wow. it's great, very Rob, good, a wisdom today. Yeah. yeah, Rob, we're Chris and I are
2: fortunate that Jeremy worked here. We're fortunate that Jeremy and Curtis, and anyone else involved in the process, got you. Work own, right? Yeah. If your body, if we could get everybody at Memory Blue to have a body of work like yours, would be just fine. So that's what we're working towards. And I'm thankful that you're helping the market understand how to do these campaigns the right way for yeah. actually doing it. So I think that that's your best value to add to the sales cycle. So I'm happy to see you do that.
0: Glad to be a part of it. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. To
3: help you get get where you want to go.
2: Let's
0: do it. <laughs> I'm excited about the future for sure. Sky's the limit. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of an additional mark is nobody hesitate to reach out if you need help. Like genuinely, I have always been there for other people, always will be. So if you've been struggling on a campaign for a while, if you've been debating what you want to be doing next inside your career, send me a message on LinkedIn. We'll coordinate some time to, to talk through. Very good. I encourage listeners to do just that. Thanks a lot, Rob.
3: Appreciate it, y'all. Yeah, so thanks a so lot. <laughs> awesome. Thanks.
1: Thanks for listening to Tech Sales Is for Hustlers. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review after the beep. Memory Blue alumni, are you looking for your next top-performing SDR? with the competitive drive, hustle mentality, and passion for sales that you can bank on, the Rising Stars program connects accomplished Memory Blue SDRs with alumni looking to expand their teams. Rising Stars have completed their SDR journey with us and are chomping at the bit to land a new and exciting high-tech sales opportunity. They've been professionally trained, coached, and mentored, thriving in the very environment where you launched your career alumni like you hire memory blue rising stars because they can rest easy knowing they're hiring the best in the business learn how you can access this unique pool of sales talent by heading to memoryblue.com alumni